chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com The chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one He's got his own comic And now he's got his own song Cause he's the chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one Go buy a copy at chosenone.com chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along chosenone.com Go visit chosenone.com Howdy. Hope everyone's doing good. Juan's on the toilet, so we'll just give him a sec to uh, wrap it up. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going to be talking about the black drink tonight. I don't know if who out there knows what the black drink is, but if you follow my channel for a little bit, I talk about Yopon, Casina, you know, these different names for it. But the ingredients could vary tribe to tribe, but the black drink was this kind of communal shamanic beverage, also a bit of a libation that was used by the tribes of the Southeast United States, especially Florida and down into, you know, Mexico, South America, the Caribbean. So the black drink, very, very trippy. Sometimes it was called the white drink. Sometimes it had other names, but the black drink was, you know, somewhere in between coffee and like an ayahuasca trip, somewhere in between there. 
it was very, very close to coffee in like, you know, color and effect and the goal. It was often used as like a wake up drink. But um, if you didn't know what black drink is, that's a quick summary. So we're going to get into black drink. This is like America's native coffee. You know, we don't need coffee from elsewhere. Um, we have caffeine right here in Florida, in the Southeast United States. Think about how much tea, coffee we bring in, right? Yopon is right here and it's a lot healthier and it's stronger, but that's black drink. And we're going to be bringing up some pictures and stuff, but we've got Professor Longo here, my brother. We've got Shem, ja Shem Jacobs from wow. Tartarian Truth. Appreciate you having me. We've got El Chosen Juan. He's still on the bidet, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And professor Longo, you can find him at the dancing elephant YouTube channel too. That's a thing now. So well, we'll wait for Juan to get back, but yeah, just uh quick thoughts. Oh, and we're going to be linking it to Coca-Cola. So just, Quick thoughts, guys. Yeah, we can uh, also discuss the possibility of some of the drinks known around the world being connected to it, mm. like with the, like the Greek religions, even in Africa and the Pacific area. So, mm. Right. So black drink, we'll kind of get into some more, you know, definitions and pinpointing it to certain people. But I was... Backstage, I was likening the black drink and Coca-Cola to tobacco, ancient shamanic tobacco use, and the modern cigarette industry. So, you know, in ancient Americas, you had all these shamans, South America, North America, they all used tobacco. And the tobacco was their number one kind of sacrament burnt offering drug of choice and also healing drug of choice you know medicine of choice for so many things and the use of the tobacco by the shaman over time got so you know publicized or kind of you know circulated the tobacco that the shaman was using shipped all across the world you know cheapened um adulterated the shaman eventually, you know, ceased to be associated with tobacco and tobacco was kind of, you know, for, for everybody. And that's where we're at today. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, hundred years ago, 50 years ago, like every single person smoked and tobacco comes from America. It was like America's flag planted in every corner of the world. You know, every market and every obscure country had a pack of American cigarettes. Well, the tobacco, going from the shaman to the everyday man in the form of cigarettes, right from the pipe or the, from the cigar naturally to the cigarette mass produced in the pocket of everyone. And the cigar is being used by all the world leaders, you know, blah, blah, blah. Very analogous to the black drink mm -hmm. being this shamanic, you know, community backbone, morning practice, daily ritual used by the native tribes of the Southeast United States and all over the Americas. 
um, pretty much under different names too. That they would use this black, highly spiced herbed, you know, emetic drink that would make them throw up in many cases. That was the point a lot of the time. They would take this usually in the morning, not always, but it was like coffee. It was like their wake up purge and, you know, retuning themselves. That, for, for people who don't know what black drink is, you know, we're, we're connecting it to Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola is today essentially the modern everyday man's black drink. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be black. They make it black today. Um, but blah, blah, blah. Coca-Cola is the modern day black drink. And just how, you know, the shaman's pipe turned into the pack of cigarettes on every street corner. You find Coca-Cola on every street corner, in every movie, in every many world leaders. So we're going to get be getting into this too. And, you know, like I'm a uh, vegan, vegetarian. My brother is too, you know, we're pretty health conscious, whatever that means. There's something to this stuff. And we're going to be, we're going to be talking about that. You know, we're, we're, we're not afraid of any taboos. You know, I'll talk about anything being good or bad. Yeah. But um, interesting guy, Ray Pete. I don't know if you guys know Ray Pete, but he's a like alternative health guy. He's really out there, like flips it all upside down. But his take is basically that sugar, like in in a Coke or something, um, or coffee with a bunch of sugar, is only bad if you're eating a diet that's not nutrient-dense. So basically, if it's replacing other things, then that's bad. But if you're getting everything you need and you're adding on the sugar, then it's actually extremely beneficial because it's de-stressing you. And that that is much more important than a, you know what I mean? So it's like if your vitamins are taking care of your eating, your pretty, you know, your normal diet, but then you're drinking like two cans of Coke, that's just chilling you out. It's just like de-stressing you. And that has, <laughs> that, that has like a ton of health benefits to it. Um, so he's like a huge proponent of, of sugar basically as like a de-stressor because he thinks that stress on the body um, is basically more detrimental than than uh almost anything else and i think there's something to be said and what to uh dr longo's point you see the progression when you sort of materialize things like you take away the spiritual aspect of tobacco and it becomes just like this industrial tool you know mm-hmm. because, because there's, there's something to be said there you know people like terence mckenna and other and other people would say oh well tobacco and caffeine and sugar caused or or made it made it possible for us to have an industrial revolution to have uh, capitalist societies office life like all that kind of stuff but that is true but you also have to answer the question of well people have been smoking tobacco for a bajillion years and people have been drinking yerba mate and teas with caffeine and sugar for you know uh, ancient times and why weren't they building machines and you know running these societies and it's because they it had it had a spiritual aspect to it it wasn't all materialized you know it wasn't like fuel for the machine It, it was treated differently and i think if if you can contextualize things that it it changes its effect probably 
Mm-hmm. And and well, to mm-hmm. the for the Tamukuans, the I have here first fruits, blood, corn, tobacco, and black drink. These things were used to achieve a personal state of purity, to purify the environment, to attract the attention of and interact with the sacred, including ancestors and the gods. So and my thing is another another interesting aspect to it all because what Shem said that this kind of hypes everybody up. And we're all, I'm up to two cups of coffee a day, right? Everyone's, America runs on Dunkin'. You got Starbucks. You got all these different places where they sell, again, coffee, which is central to, you know, you always need a cup of coffee in the morning type of thing. And it's putting everyone in this state of mind, how you're saying, Shem, all the time. And one of the things that really stood out to me with the Tamukwins, because it, you know, relates to Florida is that they would also take the black drink in preparation for warfare, mm. which that's why it's interesting that Trump and all these guys are into allegedly Coke and all this stuff. And again, who knows if they're pushing this stuff because they're shareholders in these companies like Warren Buffett. They always show him eating. Is he a Taurus? He's always eating in all these pictures that they show of him. He's a Virgo. Warren He's a Virgo. Buffett, yeah. Warren Buffett is an ascended master. He is a um, he's a living guru. He's the greatest investor to ever live, and he's he's alive in our time. Uh, he drinks. He used to drink cherry Pepsi for like twenty years. He drank cherry Pepsi, and literally, I'm not even kidding, like six, seven cans a day. Uh, he still drink. He switched to Coke, like Juan saying. He switched to Coke when he invested in Coke. And Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, that's that's Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Uh, well, the yeah. thing we also we also have to consider the type of coke that's being shipped to these places and being sold most around the world is the type with sugar or the type with high fructose corn syrup, right? Because yeah. I do yeah. agree that I do agree that consuming the sugar and the caffeine does put you in that permanent state of like a mild psychosis. So it could tie mm-hmm. back to the ritual involved in connecting with some form of God. You could argue that it's like an agitated, it's almost mm-hmm. like an agitated type of situation, kind of like a psychosis related to maybe like the cult of Dionysus or something, but. Yeah, it is a it is a Bacchic uh, Dionysian mm-hmm. uh, ritual that Buffett is reveling in. He um, mm-hmm. he is just a maniac. He does not give uh, for people who are like super material. That's why I was saying that you have to sort of spiritualize. Things. Like if you become super materialistic about what you eat and you see it as like you know counting like grams of this and grams of that and like molecules, and I'm just <laughs> feeding this beast. Like that, that's basically an eating disorder. Um, Buffett and people like Trump and Buffett and all these like extremely high achievers, performers, like the food is, they're like feeding on the ether. You know, they, they, the food is like secondary. It's for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffett drinks Coke all day long. I think he's in, you could look at, I think he's like 93. He's um, old. He's, he works five days a week. He's the CEO of the largest yeah. company in America by um by equity not by market cap and he he's he's out playing all 93 yeah he doesn't give a shit and trump same thing i mean i think he drinks diet coke but he's drinking diet coke all day long and like these those two guys have more energy than the four of us combined you know they're like they're like running the country um and i don't know maybe it's at least interesting and and we're and we're down here saying, don't eat that, you know, don't drink that corn syrup, you know, like, <laughs> just stressing out. You're it's drinking, true. You're drinking I, the kosher. I have, 
I've been that guy who didn't have a Coke for three years, mm-hmm. like no soda at all, you know? Oh, and very, you know, always wanting to tell people it's like the whole vegan, you know, stereotype. Oh, I don't drink soda. I don't drink soda. It's like, mm, look at me. Like I'm fucking princess Diana. Clipper, clip your nails, clip your nails. Cause right. Got to clip your nails. And it's a de-stressor. It's like getting a massage or something. That's basically, that's what we're talking about. So, Shem, you bring up a good point. That's, you know, Coke's not going to be the whole point of this. But we're referring to the fact that all these people drink Coke, you know, high achievers. Now, Coke, there's two types of Cokes, right? <laughs> Watch them. <laughs> I don't know. Just the high achievers drinking Coke. It's almost like it's like an advertisement for them. <laughs> it sells itself. I mean, whatever. Americana. I'm part of the Florida tourism board, so. Hell yeah. Not on their dollar. But uh, you've got two types of Coke. Let's look this up. Um And Mexican I want to add Coke. Yeah. So I wanted to add that Coke is also responsible for the whole Santa Claus red and white thing. So they literally birthed an egregore into society and existence <laughs> because they're the ones. And, and the was it the polar bear too? Like they have a polar. They had a polar bear for a while, didn't they? Yeah, they did. But. I mean, one of the wow. ooh, that's very Saturnian. The polar bear, the polar, yeah, polar, solar, whatever, all that stuff. The the, yeah, yeah, the Earth <laughs> yeah, major. Have, and... um, the logo I think has sex written in it, right? Like if you, it's somewhere in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Cursive, it says sex. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, they're big. They're big um, subliminal marketers. Yeah, there there is a connection. There is a connection between these rituals and Saturnalia that we're going to talk about later too, because mm-hmm. the way that Saturnalia is to Christmas, Purim, the Jewish tradition would be to like the Eleusian mysteries. Or you'd know, right? You'd yeah. know, dude. And I think even <laughs> drinking Coke is is Saturnian, because you're literally sacrificing like the physical. You know, you're, years off your life. Yeah, you're like, look, uh, well, I'll take a little. Uh, take a little extra energy and I'll give you a little bit of my whatever clean. Yeah. Out my hey, I always say this. I love this. You know, I'll take the magica. You can have the health. You, you can have the health points. I'll mm-hmm. take the magic magica points. Like, you know, you have two meter, you have two meters in life, you know, and a lot of these health nuts think you only have the health meter, like up or down and that's it. You know, quick. Well, that's that's what I mean. There's something else that's like artistic, creative, entrepreneurial capacity, genius is separate from health. As much as anyone might try and tell you the opposite, health has little to no bearing on like artistic or creative genius. Oh yeah. I mean that that's well, like that's, obvious. I mean, that's like an established fact. Like if you name mm-hmm. your top, top ten musicians, painters, filmmakers, actors, whatever, they are all like probably not even people you'd want to be around in the first place. But secondly, they're all like extremely unhealthy, like addicted to, you know, God knows what, and like just demolishing their bodies. Like it's absolutely a give and take. 
So are they making, so is it just in their mind? Are they manifesting it themselves or are they, or are they possibly connecting with the muses through some sort of ritual connected yeah. to what we're doing yeah, right now, talking about right now? Be, it could be a Dionysian um, sort of like ecstasy type of state. Like you said, an ecstatic state <laughs> that you're, con- you're in for a long time. Here. So let's just back up real quick. Black <laughs> drink with the native Americans. Okay. In Florida. Trump lives in Florida, right? Trump is obsessed with Diet Coke specifically from everything I've seen. You know, like what you guys have seen, right? It's usually Diet Coke he's very into. But he tweeted these back in 2012. And it's actually super hard to find a picture of Trump holding or drinking Coke. I don't know if his media team like scrubbed that. Um, but I don't know. It's hard. It's so hard. He loves the stuff. He's proud about it, but it's so hard to find pictures. I have a couple, but maybe he has like his Coke place. It's just like a private area where you guys unwind and drink a diet Coke. Mm-hmm. He has the Ark of the Covenant, so I wouldn't doubt it if he had. Right? He has the Golden Throne. The gold. Does that have any astrological? Are you talking about that Apollo alleged Apollo shrine he has inside of his Fifth oh, okay. Avenue tower or whatever? Is that what you're talking about, or something else? Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about the Ark of the Cup that we talked about last uh, earlier this week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Important to note, lads, that um, lads, he's, you know, and I'm I'm not gonna get hung up on like Trump and Buffett as like people as if we just love them or whatever. But they're two good examples of this black drink thing, and I think that it's interesting because not only do they guzzle Coca Cola, but both of them. Do not drink alcohol at all. Both cannot be. Mm. And I would go as far to say that probably these native people are not drinking alcohol either. Um, no. I don't think they're distilling alcohol. I'm not like an expert on whatever. But and from from what I've heard, the, the alcohol was only added to some of these drinks to kind of like lessen the psychedelic effects. Is from right. what I've heard, it wasn't intentional yeah, to like get drunk. Like a solvent. Mm-hmm. Thing. Yes, it was the solvent. Yeah, so I think that's it's essential oils. Yeah, it's it's the black drink with no alcohol. That's not a Jack and Coke or something. That I right. It's there's something to that. That um, even t- till today, there's some kind of something going on with the caffeine and the black drinks. Even like a yerba mate in Argentina or something. Like it's heavily caffeinated. It's their it's their ceremonial like traditional drink. Um, but I don't think anyone's mixing liquor in with it mm-hmm. right it's an interesting point yeah yeah alcohol <laughs> alcohol is right the it, it takes away right it separates the spirits right that's what you use the so when you're drinking alcohol you're literally stripping away part yes. of yourself so and that's that's alchemy and that's actually changed my mind on alcohol i don't drink as much alcohol as i used to now that glad, I really, been, glad you've been watching my videos man I don't watch. You've been paying attention. I don't watch your channel, dude. Don't don't get it twisted, all right? Who's this? This is my assistant. Oh, okay. Producer. I was making sure it wasn't some random interdimensional crackhead trying to jump onto the stream. <laughs> but the right the there's something about the stripping away of yourself, and when when people are drunk, they are in an altered state of consciousness, obviously, and it, it I've heard it put that it opens you up for possession. So you're able, right? Spirits are able, wine and spirits, things are able to slip in and people act completely differently than they would. 
and they black out. Wow, that's yeah. Guys, do not drink alcohol. Okay. Yeah. Never. There's little to no justification. So you know, kombucha. That's something else. You know, rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol on a on a wound, that's something else. That's its intended purpose. It's it's an agent. It's a solvent. It's a you know, it, it strips the essence just like Juan said. They do push alcohol in society quite hard though, and there's an entire they push cult. it so hard. hundred percent. But kombucha has worms in it, dude. That's homunc juice. There's homunculi in kombucha. Yeah, it's just like snot. It's not no, worms. No, they're worms, dude. Worms. All right. You be drinking that worm juice, bro? Is that what you like, Longo? Yikes. Like the worms in your mouth, bro? Look at that. They're on. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Hitting too close to the truth. Look at that. Yeah. Look at how he squirms. <laughs> that homunk juice. Nope. Nope. So, the, uh, what were we talking about? The... I'm not sure. You didn't, you didn't tell us what this picture was yet. What is this? This is just Yopon. Holly, like being sold as like a tea, not not as the black drink, just Yopon Holly, which is the the central primary ingredient of the black drink, is Yopon Holly. So, so does it come during, black as a result of that leaf, or is there something that's added in yes, later that makes it black? It's boiled down, so it starts off like wine colored, then you know like ginger ale colored and it just gets cooked down into like a dark dark brew is it what kind of like what is it part of the grass family or anything or is it like a cereal grain or what is it it's just a little tree yopon is in the holly family so these are like christmas berries the red um holly like almost like a mistletoe similar like little red berries on a uh a bush small tree so so that's the central ingredient i don't know where my you said that was yopon holly longo yeah yo yeah yopon holly so I have something here. The use of yopon holly was also very widespread throughout the southeast. The leaves of the yopon were dried and toasted and a tea made from these leaves. The resulting drink is called casino or black drink. Black drink was most often used as an everyday drink and for ceremonial purposes. Additionally, the was used black drink as a you said you said this at the beginning as a purifying agent in a variety of applications, including preparations for warfare. The tea was also used as a powerful emetic which was part of the reason that the Timucuans and the Southeastern Indians viewed it as a purifying agent and they would take it and it was said to have, they would take it with seawater as well, which occasioned great evacuations. Oh yeah. Was taken. Go ahead. What's interesting to me is the, is the difference between when it was used for the shaman specifically and then when it started becoming used for these people. So the ingredients must have changed at some point because the shamans aren't going to be worried about warfare, yes. right? So, yes. So here's a there's a whole debate as to whether it's actually vomit-inducing. Now, mm. if you just take the Yopon holly, the stems and the leaves, that's safe to drink and, you know, brew. The berries of Yopon holly 
are poisonous and can cause kidney failure. And, you know, they like to label some plants as dangerous, but Yopon Holly, from what I've seen, it actually says that. Um, but the danger or the throwing up is not even really necessarily danger, just the throwing up probably came from like what Juan just said, the seawater. So drinking seawater will make you gag and will make your all your glands in your body like uh, release. So you'll be like, you know, barfing. And also, so it might not have always had seawater, but that could have caused the mm-hmm. reaction. Also, maybe the uh, maybe the induced yeah. vomiting was a plan to try to prevent some of the poisonous aspects while getting some of the psychedelic effects. Well, they also added emetic herbs, like it says here, which is herbs that would cause, uh, you know, throwing up on purpose. So, any number of things in it could have caused the throwing up, and I think just you know, using my common sense, I, I think that. The shaman, shamanic use would be like the heaviest dose imaginable. And the morning group uh, usage might have been a little bit more like a coffee, like a wake up. You know, everyone's on the same page and, you know, in the same frequency. Then also, and I know this guy named, uh, this guy named, um, fuck, what's his name? I forget his name. Shit. (laughs) The guy who had the portal house in El Portal with the cave, the Native American cave in Miami, mm-hmm. he is a shaman. He was using Yopon Holly with a lot of people as like a strong dose, or I don't know if a lot of people, but himself and some people using a strong dose of Yopon as something it- like a shamanic trip. Isn't Deterra also sometimes said to be used in some of these drinks? Yes, I think that's mentioned in here is Deterra. That's one of the scariest drugs I've ever heard of. I had a buddy who who ate a Deterra plant and he never he was never the same ever again after that. He, he he tripped for multiple days and was just I don't know. It's really strange. Wow. So, but he just straight up ate, I guess like just ate it from what I understand. There was no drink involved. I have here also that it was used as a so black drink is a powerful stimulant containing large amounts of caffeine. However, as E. vomitoria was not used by any of the southeastern tribes as a labor or gynecological aid, it seems likely that yerba refers to black drink in this case. So they were talking about if the herb was used in by midwives, right? Because it's also used by the shaman. So in particular, they be that, but I refers to black drink twice in the confessionals, once in a question to shamans and once in a question directed to herbalists or midwives. All right. So the, Pareja is the guy who interviewed some of these people. And I am getting this from to make these sins. I'll, I'll find the name later, but to make. Golly. Anyways, the Spanish and other Europeans quickly incorporated black drink into their own pharmaceutical applications. Black drink, it was believed, cleansed the urinary passages and prevented distemper oh, in yeah. the veins. It oh. is its use even spread to France, where Charlevoix 
saw it taken as an emetic. So we talked about that. However, he contended that the manner in which the French prepared the beverage was not nearly as effective as the Florida preparation as the French doubled the dose and boiled the tea for far too long. The Spaniards of Florida took to drinking the casina tea as well and regarded it as medicinal. So fascinating. Dude, can I pepper something into that? Yeah. That I I really hope it mentions in one of these pages I have. Um <clears throat> one of the reasons that Florida was discovered, we're told, is that Ponce de Leon was looking for the fountain of youth. Believe it or not, the earliest mention of the whole fountain of youth thing, it actually talks about Ponce de Leon, who is only four foot eleven trying to find a cure for his sexual dysfunction for his ed and what how old was he when this was happening just curious do you have any i think like late i think late 40s okay but it wasn't uncommon the the spanish had ate a lot of pig especially the sailors a lot of pork and pig and sludge and tack just not good foods you know so it was very common to get ed back then and especially with all the diseases being you know being a sailor and it literally says one of the earliest mentions um you know 1500s maybe early 1600s talks about him going to florida for to cure his ed and the whole fountain of youth thing was not not actually about him getting you know, younger in years, it was about him returning to a youthful functioning man enhanced by Florida water, you know, and just look at Florida. It's, 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 uh, phallic. It's like a, you know, it's, it's like America popped a Viagra. It's phallic. It's oozing water. It's life-giving. It's fertile. And to have these things coming out of Florida, like the black drink and stuff. So, Blah, blah, blah. Ponce de Leon was coming to Florida to try and cure his dysfunction sexuale, some, something like that. It says he had ED. And the black drink was known. I hope it's going to say it here, but if not, I have PDFs, old, old PDFs, maybe Jonathan Dick- Dickinson's story um, from like Palm Beach area, where it says that they would take casina uh, every morning which is the black drink and that the spanish and all the europeans would risk trying to trade with the natives to get some because they'd heard it cures instantly ed that this black drink that all the natives in florida they actually say were like had no problem downstairs they were you know fully functioning basically did they, did they ever? Are there any stories of them consuming the black drink for like a f- fertility ritual or in celebration of a harvest, or was it just an everyday thing? It was, you know, I wasn't there. I'm not like an expert expert, but it was like an everyday thing for a lot of the tribes. It was like a morning ritual mm-hmm. they'd get together. It's where we get the word casino too. They'd get together in like a, uh, you know. Um, bulletin assembly you know morning meeting and that would get passed around now if that was the high dose i I don't know i don't think so that 
probably had a communal dose. Then they probably had like a ritual dose. Um, I'm just speculating. Yeah, because but to be to be it's like like to be under the effect of psychedelics constantly, and then participating in warfare and all the other stuff that's said to have been happening back then, you would imagine that it would have to be a much more peaceful world for them to constantly be under like in that state of mind. I guess right. Here, here we go. Perfect, right here. This is the uh, um, account I was just describing. The Ais, who were may or may not have been the Tequesta. This is mm. Jonathan Dickinson. He got stranded near Palm Beach, Florida. And he witnessed them brewing Yopon. So that's like one of the most in-depth, you know, English European accounts. Learned that the Spanish called the plant Casina. Now this is very trippy because if you look up where the word caffeine goes, comes from, they tell us it comes from, I think, kava in... Turkey, I think, kawa or kava, which is like where you get kava, you know, cafe and stuff. I don't know what, you know, what. I'll came pull it up first there, but, but you said yeah. caffeine. Yeah, caffeine. Origin of caffeine. If you look up the origin of caffeine, the word it tells you Turkish or somewhere around there, kafe. Now it's German. That has probably. nothing. Can I pull it up? Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because you're wrong, Longo. Absolutely wrong. All right, so let me pull it up here. Well, so, there's also, there's also a, like a Polynesian drink called kava, which is interesting that they drink on a daily basis, apparently, or like at least commonly. That sounds pretty similar to this. Something in, the, something in the Pacific area. I'll look it up real quick, too, see if I can bring something up. Runes or Runge, 1795, 1867, apparently from German cafe or cafe coffee i don't know how you would say that coffee plus chemical in german in so-called because the alkaloid was found in coffee beans its presence accounts for the stimulating effect of coffee and tea the form of the english word may be via french caffeine so true well good nice so regardless it's not Cena, right it's mm -hmm. it's from eurasia but guess what when you take casina which happens to have way more caffeine than coffee mm -hmm. and tea when you take casina and write it in the english the mid middle english or you know late english whatever they're writing in the 16-1700s what do you get the s's turn to f's and the casina is written in that Jonathan Dickinson report, um, an old PDF you can find yourself, the cannibals of Florida, surviving the cannibals of Florida or something like that. Jonathan Dickinson writes about the uh, Casina, like all the time, the natives taking it, you know, how important it is, but it's spelt with two Fs, Caffeina. Now, come on. Words are more interesting than, than they lead us to believe. Casina equals caffeine, caffeina, but they don't mention that at all in the etymologies. How is it that the native word casina, when spelt, you know, with two Fs instead of S's, which was very common in that old that older English, if you go look up the PDFs, casina is written with two Fs. Caffeina 
that's a very strange coincidence the sync link yeah it's a, it's yeah. a that's a very easy like edit or uh you know because that because that double that that soft s does look very similar to an f mm-hmm. the only thing it's missing is just like a, that line that crosses over it in most examples mm-hmm. yeah so black drink casino native americans were using here we go yeah, they, they had little cups, coffee cups, straight up, drinking them in the morning. There's also where we get the word casino. Casino, like just, you know, masculine. Natives should get together and talk business in the morning. Drinking I want to add real, real quick, Longo, that talking business. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't know if we've talked about this, about this on the channel or not, but we have the the two spirits of the Tumukwa, which were the Hermaphrodites, the man boys mm-hmm. in their society, yeah. which also partook in the black drink ceremonies because they were seen as people who can interact in both worlds, the sacred and the pure and the sacred and the polluted. So they the Tumukwas viewed the world in, in two separate ways, right? Good and evil, dirty, pure, holy, clean. And these two spirits, the hermaphrodites, which there are plates about it, the the plates that you have that you've pulled up, they're the dudes with the or the lady boys with the with their hair tied up, I guess. But yep. you were saying here, the Lemoyne writes that on certain days of the year a formal council meeting was held. The Gasica and other elite men met early in the morning to discuss the concerns and affairs of the village, including issues related to alliances within the chiefdom chiefdom. At the start of meeting, the principales, led by the oldest member, proceeding in order of age, approached and saluted the cacique. After the formal salute, the cacique heard the advice of the shamans and the principales. Casina black drink was served on these occasions, and these meetings formed the basis of Tamuquin political life. Actions carried out within the council house structured how Tamuquins met men related to one another through the enchantment, enactment of political hierarchy so they even used it in their political affairs this black drink when they were meeting they would discuss it over right a, a, a cup of joe is that what they call coffee or the cup of joe yeah mm-hmm. so we have it there related to the political activities of the tamukwins yeah. pretty crazy and the two spirits the hermaphrodites they were like the healers they were they would collect the dead Yes. Um, they did a lot of the. They it said that they weren't weird. They weren't born like, you know, flamboyant. It was men who were like either fearful or did not want to take on the duties of a man. Meaning like constant state of warfare. You know. Um, that's but what they I've were. Read. U- they were used. So not to get graphic, but they were used. They penetrated and got penetrated in society. And the, some caciques, I'm serious, some caciques would take them on as their wives, essentially. So yeah. it, it was a thing that almost reflects like the Roman Greek times where that was kind of common. But yeah, they did participate in that aspect too. And how you're saying they weren't super, 
some weren't as flamboyant as others but you know it's like you yeah. bro you you like what you like you know what i'm saying like your little <laughs> <laughs> they were sissy boys no doubt yeah there's a plate on there... them let's see here go ahead I think it's interesting because the Scythi the Scythians in ancient history have this legend where they're affected with the woman sickness, which is allegedly like basically being a hermaphrodite, being double form. And there's the god Hermaphroditus who kind of like seems like it could be an allusion to a messiah type figure because it's a god that only appears among men at certain certain times. And ancient authors like Herodotus and Dieters of Sicily mention how hermaphrodites were usually killed. When they're born, her, hermaphrodites, point. her rod, that is, hey. <laughs> yeah, her rod. She got a rod. Okay, but was it was he a tranny? Can, can we know for sure? <laughs> I don't know. Herodotus, Helicarnassus. It's hard to tell, but uh, basically, it's just like the idea behind it that it's like a allusion for. The Messiah is that Cyrus the Great was called double formed, and in those same sources, he's he said that he that his type of per, like person should have never been born in that time period because of what he was, and they call him double formed, but they also call him a mule, which basically could allude to him being, you know, both Persian mm. or Greek and barbarian or whatever. But I just thought it was interesting because he's called Cyrus the Great is known as the first Messiah of the Jewish people, like a Messiah, and he's and he was called a mule. You said. Yeah, but he's a mule because he's mixed. He was like a mixed race. Yeah, like like a hybrid. And mules are also sterile too, right? Oh, mule, mulatto. Well, not all mules are sterile, but yeah, but because there's a because he had he had two he had a he had a son. Unfortunately, his uh, he had two sons, and one of them killed. Like he was cursed. But basically, he 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 was the Messiah for the Jewish people because he allowed them to return to the Holy Land. But he, you know, like the prophecy of the of the Messiah riding on back into Jerusalem on the back of a mule. It could be mm -hmm. seen as like Cyrus is carrying back Jewish people too. Cause he's the mule and the Jewish people are basically the most, you see what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, I got you. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really interesting cause he could have been a hermaphrodite is where I'm going with that. Cause they said, they said he's double formed and that people like him would usually not be born. And they actually did try to kill him. Uh, the King tried to like his grandfather tried to have him killed, but this farmer had a child at the same time he was a stillborn so they switched him out it's kind of like a similar story to moses it's pretty interesting i don't know yeah no, that, yeah. that is and and right. i said these two spirits could interact with the dead who were polluted because they they walked within both right so they also did burial ceremonies as well they would bury the dead they would the tamukins had i think it's carnell or charnel houses i don't know how to say it but these houses where they would take the bones of the deceased and they would feed the bones and they would take them there and guard them from animals trying to take because they would wait for the bones to they would strip the bones and everything and after they were done they would put the bones in a box they would prepare for the family that was given to the family and they would the family would have to do offerings to the bones of the deceased so and and the two spirits were in charge of all of that of interacting with that because they felt right like the women when they were menstruating that if you interacted with them that you would also become polluted so the two spirits uh -huh. would take care of the women that were menstruating with separate fires and all these different aspects of society so longo would fit right just, into that just society. like they do 
just like they do today when your girl gets her period and she goes into the Starbucks and the two spirits make her vente latte (laughs) and hand it back and they talk about Joe Biden and, you know, whatever else two spirits are into. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays. Definitely. I like that. And did you see this picture? It looks like they're giants, bro. In this picture that I showed here. Let me show it real quick because it looks like they're they're giants. And speaking of like hermaphrodite, it kind of reminds me of Baphomet, kind of Baphomet vibes here with the up and the down. And then everyone's mm-hmm. kind of the women are kind of smaller than these. It's like, yeah. is that just perspective or is that that they were giants? I mean, they were really tall. It does right. seem related. It does seem related to Baphomet, almost like that entire situation was created as a cover up for some of this stuff. But and the sons of men, you know. Came yeah. in upon the daughters of the sons of God. Came in upon the daughters of men. You know they are pretty small. The men are large. In the earlier accounts, it says that the royal races of Florida were well above the average European height, but that the like everyday plebeian, you know, the lower caste was kind of you know average height. That it was the royal race, the higher caste, the blue bloods. Um, speaking of, you know, the Temecula practices, how how could you cross from the lower caste into the higher caste? Well, one of the ways you could do that was sacrificing a child to a king or a fallen soldier or a fallen um, shaman. All these things. Both male yeah. and female, or did it have to be specific? Well, both male and female. I've heard a lot about the firstborn male. Now, Juan, I know, talks about the firstborn female being very important to them too. But in terms of them being similar to Canaanite practices, which Tim Bentz did in an interview with Rob Skiba that Robert Sepper turned into his Jekyll Island video, where Rob Skiba, sorry, Tim Benz talks about how he's been to Mesopotamia and has seen Canaanite altars and Canaanite weaponry and all this stuff. And then he went to Jekyll Island, to Mukua, to like check out the Federal Reserve stuff and started learning about the Temecula Indians, natives. And he was saying, well, hang on. They were Canaanite. Practices, sacrifice of the firstborn. Um, they would sodomize their dead enemies. You know about that, Juan? No, I don't know right. about that. In one of the plates, they would, it's pretty flipping bizarre, but after they would take their black drink and, you know, r- ravage the enemy in the woods, in the swamp and whatever, at the end of the battle, they would sodomize their enemy, dead enemy and dying enemies with arrows. And it it said that they were so particular and um, like technical in this process that they would, they would do it even if it meant danger, like they'd go out it, like it was a scalp, like it was as important as a scalp, like get that scalp, bring it back. Yeah. (laughs) Let me read, let me read this real quick. So, Pisotomy is important to to this to this aspect, and um, I'm going to add something to the sacrifice here to Coca-Cola, a conspiracy. There is, in fact, no direct association of Tamuqua two spirits with that 
uh, with what Europeans construed as sodomy. Laudanea refers to the practice of sodomy being present among the Timucua, but fails to single out two spirits as being associated with this practice. Many other accounts of sodomy among the Timucua exist. The Franciscan confessionals include questions about sodomy and pedestry, pedestry, right? Am I saying that right? Pedestry, as well as a pedestry, as well as a question about as well as a question about same-sex desire between women. Conversely, linguist Julian Granberry includes no word for two spirits in this dictionary of Tumukwa language, nor the sodomy was a part of the Tumukwa sexual practices and was not conceived as a unclean or a perversion as much different perception that led uh, a much different perception than that held by Europeans. Yikes. The sexuality of two spirits among the Tumukwa, however, remains uncertain. Given the strong association of two-spirit tradition with homosexuality, both historically and today, Timucua two-spirit people probably engage what the European defined as sodomy. So that's interesting. And also the aspect of, of hmm. the conspiracy, and I'm going to be careful how you, how you say this, where they used certain cells from a fetus in the production of flavor for some of these drinks. And so the conspiracy goes that they're so well, so, so this is how it goes that there was in fact a company who was making artificially created flavors from a, from the stem cells of that fetus. Okay. And then they replicated those. So it started from that, from the stem cells of a fetus, and then they made replications of those cells and reproduce them. And they were using that for artificial flavoring. Now that's real. If, and from what you can look up again, if they never used it in any of the flavoring of any, any of these companies, allegedly. So you can look it up yourself. And again, I know it's probably going to, for, for the YouTube crowd is going to not be good, but it is a conspiracy. And that's why people tell you, you're going to eat, you're going to drink Coke. Like I've had people send me emails because allegedly Coke contains fetus cells. So I mean, there is a push for them. They they do want that kind of cam- cannibalism aspect. That's why they push you mm-hmm. people eating pork because you know there's this, the association with pork and humans. But I think that has something to do with it as well. Like some people who don't eat pork would drink Coke. Is where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, dude, I've never seen this plate. No, wow. Here. We can read it at the bottom too. Yeah, um, you can read that. Nice. Good. Yeah. Here, how Utina's men treated the slain of the enemy during all the time that the French had dealings with the great chief Olata Utina in the war against his enemies. No pitched battle was fought. It all happened in ambushes and skirmishes. Fresh troops constantly replacing those who retired. Whoever put the enemy to flight first was credited with victory, even when the number of his losses was very large. In these skirmishes, those who fall are immediately dragged off by men, especially charged with this duty, so that they don't get sodomized. With a sliver of reed, with a sliver of reed sharper than any steel blade, they cut the skin with the hair from the skull all the way around. 
the longest hairs being twisted into a plate, the hair from the forehead being rolled up for the length of two fingers with that of the back of the head, in the manner of the ribbon of a bonnet. Immediately afterwards, if they have time, they dig a hole where they make a fire of smoldering moss, which they carry around in their leather breech clouts. The fire lit, they dry the scalp until it becomes hard like parchment. At the end of the battle, they are accustomed to cut off the, to cut the arms of their victims off at the shoulder and their legs at the thighs. The bones laid bare are crushed and then, and the pieces still dripping with blood are dried on the same fire. Then they return home triumphantly with the skin of the heads at the ends of their spears. What astonished me, for I was one of the men sent by Laudanere under Otigny's command, was that they never left the place of battle without piercing the mutilate corpses of their enemies right through the anus with an arrow. <laughs> During this task, a protective force always surrounded them. What is that where I'm going to F your ass up comes from probably like, yo, I'm a, I'm a mess you up, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. is that dude, that's, that's hardcore. That is what? some hardcore stuff right there. I'm, I'm trying to imagine what is the significance of that? Cause it seems very important. Like what, do you have any opinions on it? Is there anything written about it? I mean, it's, let me uh, just, let me say this. Let me say this. Okay. The rings of Saturn, is, bro. No, well, yes. Yes. You're on there. I can tell you right, right here where, where it is. When you're scalping someone, this is why they have guillotine people, okay? It's believed by some. You don't have to believe this, but this is one interpretation. That, and to me, the most compelling one. The scalp is the crown chakra of your enemy. You seek to disrespect your enemy, not only in this life, but the next, and in every life. Oof. By taking the crown chakra straight off the head, okay, you're hindering tampering if not uh foiling the reincarnation process this is a major blow to the wow. soul the soul seeks to escape ideally out the top of the head now that's the crown chakra if you bottle up the pressure at the top you might shoot out the bottom right well the you know the root chakra is your bottom the gooch it's, chakra it's your hole you know your butthole essentially nice. and that is, that's the only chakra that can be directly like uh you know essentially what, what would, that's what, that's why it's such a fiddled such with. a fiddled, fiddled with and all, all these <laughs> occult circles and stuff like that well the, yeah exactly um, i was gonna say that that's the whole thing with the what i call sodomic time travel where these occultists so, do the butt stuff to achieve altered states of consciousness. What? Yeah. Oh. Juan what knows you, all about that. Juan knows what, all about what that. What it could possibly take hang place. Hang on, make them Shem, hang on. So they would take the arrow and then they're going essentially for the top chakra and the bottom chakra. Now, are they thinking about chakras when they're doing this? I don't know. It might be instinctual, but they're going for disrespect. Now, what's interesting is that the natives of Florida they were fierce, vicious, but they had certain moral code. Now, sodomizing the victims was a-okay, but they would never, rarely, if ever, they would never, um, they would never decimate fully 
kill off their enemies, never, even when the opportunity was there. So if they met out in the woods, you know, and they have a tribe of a hundred versus a tribe of a hundred and they kill, you know, most of the men in a neutral, uh, you know, battleground, they would not push on towards that town's, towards that town's, uh, you know, city home and burn and take advantage of the fact that, that the men were killed off. They would keep, they would return home and celebrate their victory and say, okay, now we can live to fight them like, gen, you know, for generations, you know, they'd give the other, this is this, you know, I'm generalizing here, but they'd give the other town, their enemies, a chance to bounce back, to repopulate. They didn't never extinguish them completely. That's kind of where my question was going to go anyway, so I'm glad you elaborated. But uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, what what possibly happened to make them have that much animosity towards the people they killed on the battlefield? Because you have stories of, like, the Flower Wars, for example, with these tribes where they don't necessarily want to kill the people on the battlefield. A lot of times they want to take them back and sacrifice them. So what you're describing, this reasoning behind it is very interesting and very different to what I've heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so never, let's never... skip let's get back to the black drink that's crazy dude <laughs> that's I've a good good play. caveat yeah thanks uh are you like that who's the real colonizers colonizers huh i don't want to hear that colonizer nonsense okay they were they were colonizing each other long before we ever got, got the banya over here back yeah yeah i know yeah. <laughs> but uh so yeah tamukua savages savages and i'm uh, wondering the the their astrological knowledge and where it because i know they're they were big into divination and when i did my research i mostly focused on the their their magic if you will with a k or a c otherwise and they believed in bewitchment they believed in love charms they believed in all these different things they they had witch doctors for the, the shamans right that would do these things and there was also the divination before war and that's the the plate where you see the guy contorting with his arms out on the shield mm-hmm. that was a shaman divinating and apparently they would sit there and this dude's bones were cracking as he was contorting and twisting around and they would just sit there and watch him until he was done and then he would tell the Asike, like it's favorable or it's not favorable to go and you know attack or go into war or whatever it was that they were going to be going to do, and it would all depend on this shaman doing this. We and it, I, I believe that they would take entheogens. I'm not 100 sure. I don't remember, but yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I'm wondering what their astrological knowledge would have been if they were aligning things to certain astrological alignments you know like hey this star is up in the north or whatever it is yeah so this right here they would he's on a shield they would draw sigils essentially around in a circle and he's divinating and they're just all Mm -hmm. sitting around waiting for him to finish his thing and he's yeah they describe it as his bones cracking and he's contorting and doing all these things and they're waiting for him to be like it's good or it's not good Mm mm-hmm Right. I'm sure that they would take black drink too for this ceremony. Oh, yeah. He was taking something. They were taking <laughs> something they could get their hands on. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But let's bring it back to Coke. You hear about this in the news recently about this uh, town that worships mm -hmm. Coca-Cola. Jimmy, could you bring that up? I think it's Cholula, Mexico, or somewhere near there. Um, Coke. If you search Mexican Coke, well, actually, that's, that'll probably bring up cartel stuff, but Coca-Cola, Mexico. It's Mexican City, Coca-Cola should bring it up. Yeah, I want to add some stuff to this because I did see this recently and I was reading up on it before we had jumped on. I was reading about it yesterday. <laughs> And there's a reasoning <laughs> why they drink so much Coke. <laughs> yeah. They call it liquid gold. Uh, like the ne nectar of their ancestors. Liquid gold. Uh, drink of death. Like in a good way. Like rebirth. Well, did we uh, talk about the Florida connection? Did you talk about how... Were you able to confirm that water from Florida Springs was being used in, in the early Coke days? Yes. Is yeah, that real? Bring, yeah, let me bring that up. Speaking um, of De Leon and the Fountain of Youth, which I don't believe De Leon was a real person, dude. Yeah, that's okay. It's probably your daddy, dude. It's probably your daddy. You know how many chicks he banged in Puerto Rico? He was legit, daddy. probably. <laughs> You're probably a little daily on yourself. Yeah, maybe. Wow. I spring water, but. So, here, yeah, let me zoom in on this. Seven Springs Water Company. <laughs> Seven. Oh, yeah. It's quite a mythological uh, yeah. name, title, too. So, Coca Cola purchased High Springs Water Bottling Facility. Apparently, they only ever used it for water. That's what they're saying. But how can you track water? Can mm -hmm. you put a barcode on water? Can you put a, you know, it was getting sent out to all these places. They could have been using it for other things. I know that they were pulling water from Florida in a similar agreement in the 80s uh, somewhere. But this is just the one I brought up. That's from the Florida Springs Institute. Apparently, I didn't believe you. That's why I was asking. Oh, yeah. Coca-Cola was pulling Florida spring water. That was their number one. Um, for a time, that was where they were trying to get their water. Now, I think most of the time they're pulling it out of local. So wherever their local plant is, like regional plant, it's taking municipal, municipal water from that area. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Florida, you might be lucky enough to be getting Florida spring water in your Coca-Cola, which is probably why Trump's benefiting so much from his Coke. He's in Florida. <laughs> um, a lot of Bill Gates also, you know, fudge that guy. He's a loser and a tranny and wants us to be consumed by GMO mosquitoes. His wife, ex-wife, probably a dude, but so Melinda Gates of hell, whatever, blah, 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 all this stuff. Say what you want about the guy. He also, count him up, up there with Warren Buffett, Trump, and um, mm. all the other guys. Here, I'll just search it. Yeah, Bill Gates is definitely up there. Does Elon Musk drink Coke? Has he ever? Gates says he drinks three to four, which is nowhere near as much. Elon Musk, yes. <laughs> Big into Coke. Four cans per day. Yeah. What the heck? Big into Coke. 
That's so much sugar. Well, he's wearing the coke colors right there in that in that. Dude, the elite, looking. the elite want us all to think that sugar is like the the ultimate. You Have know. you seen his body though? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, dude, you, you know. Men don't, don't have bodies. Don't they have bank accounts, dude. Okay. Jesus. Oh, look. Oh, remember he tweeted that? He posted next on buying Coca-Cola to put cocaine back in. That was a, that was one of those tweets that he first posted when he had bought. Interesting. The Coke Zero with the gold can. It's liquid gold, that's ca- baby. That's caffeine-free Coke, I think. Caffeine's the best thing in Coke. I don't. So he is a loser. That's probably why he's, he's why he's chubby, not getting the good stuff. So, well, Sham, you brought up a good point earlier that we never got into fully. Was Mexican Coke versus regular? Um, mm-hmm. If you ever see a glass bottle of Coke, ninety-nine percent chance that it is a Mexican Coke or the healthier flavored sweetened version of coke mexican coke is made with cane sugar cane sugar and it has i think six ingredients one two three four five six six ingredients and i think normal coke has like nine if not more What's the sugar but, content? Can you read the sugar real quick? Because like, oh Bill Gates is drinking God. I just want to know how much sugar Bill Gates is consuming. Freaking sugar, it's bro. 39 grams. So 39 times 4. It's Jeez. not that bad, dude. Orange juice has more than that, dude. Fucking sugar's not that bad. People freaking out. <laughs> it's like, dude, fruit is all sugar. Yeah, one, one or two, okay, but four. You ever yeah. seen a hummingbird? You ever seen a hummingbird? Dude, they're yeah. wired. They're ready to go. Those things are fucking. They're cracked well, out, bro. Those things wired. are. Those things are wolves <laughs> of Wall Street. Hummingbirds are. They're wired on that sugar. That's what. That's what these people are. Sugar's not that bad. They must but, have hey, invincible bodies. Because yeah, I'm not, I could not, I'm not do that. Whatever. I'm not advocating for Coke, but um, I like Mexican cokes. Definitely a guilty pleasure of mine not even guilty just proud. and if you find the kosher cokes they're made with uh cane sugar too it has a kosher label on on it you know right mm-hmm. you know about that show <laughs> yeah oh did you know that that they also don't have they have interest-free loans you guys see that i, can uh, only, I can't the, share on youtube why i don't drink coke it has to be on the the a uh, uh, use that uh, i can't say the the word with the j but the a uh, uh, use they get free new yorkers the the hollow earth uh the, <laughs> the hollow earth jews get free interest loans so they don't get charged interest rates according to saw it on twitter earlier but yeah it seems Passover, pretty unfair the the festival that we celebrate when other people's firstborn children were killed yikes yikes that's okay <laughs> hummingbirds yeah. want war <laughs> they made it to the promised land, which is Florida. So, yeah, we're all good. There you go. So, yeah, yellow cap, guys. Kosher Coke, yellow cap. Let's see. What else has a yellow cap? Yeah. Um, Gasoline you know. has a yellow cap. <laughs> True. 
So yellow cap is Coke. That is kosher. And so let's look up this. There we go. Warren Buffett drinking Coke. Jimmy, can you pull up Cholula, Mexico again, please? I know you probably did before. I forgot to switch to it. The uh, Coke drinking town in Mexico. That's obsessed. Well, I, I don't know if I call it obsessed, but there's a reason why they just drink Coke. And I don't think it's because Coke. Hello and welcome to the show. If you're enjoying it and want an ad free experience, consider signing up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash the one on one podcast. Get early access and exclusive content on there as well for less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Links to ways of supporting the show are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode. so great there's mm-hmm. reasons beyond their control such as their infrastructure their drinking water is tainted therefore but you can kind of see that as a sort of psyop because if you have these companies this particular town in mexico that drinks a larger quantity of coke the the mexican coke company is still profiting regardless and they regardless of the people's water quality. So it's in their best of interest to not fix the water. Hey, as long as they have roads to get it there, you know, as long as they have the minimal infrastructure to get these Cokes there, who cares about their water? You know, who cares about their drinking water? Because we're still getting the Coke to them. So they're going to drink the Coke. Someone said El Chapo double-fisted two liters. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I, I don't know. I think that whole... The thing about the drinking water not being in good quality is such a terrible excuse because they say the same thing about alcohol in like the Middle Ages. Like, but there's no substitution for water. You need water to survive. You can't drink mm-hmm. Coke as a substitute for water. And never. Well, they do. There. Here, here they do. How? In this t- How do they do it? You don't need. They, I don't know, dude. I yeah. I think you oh, need water to be on. healthy. Come you on, need, what? What's what next? So water's what? not healthy. What's next, dude? Oh my what's, god. What's next? No water. <laughs> I, I'm saying you don't need water to be alive. Like you can drink Coke and you can drink, you know, like juices and stuff, and you can drink liquids. And you know, my dad never ever drank water. Like, not even kidding. One drink of water a year. Like one glass of water. It gives year. you kidney stones, though, dude. You're gonna get kidney stones from drinking. Yeah, salad. I'm not saying it makes you healthy. It makes you unhealthy, but um, yikes, bro. All right, anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just didn't mean to. All good. All good. The headline, Doctor Wongo. So, this small town in Mexico is addicted to Coca-Cola. Go look this up, guys, if you want. After you know, whenever you're doing stuff elsewhere just go look up um i think it's cholula i could be wrong no i I mean i saw a documentary about this before too some dude went down to the city and it was like there's coke everywhere like every shop little shop had the coolers and everything and they like had the coke trucks delivering them chiapas not cholula chiapas so i'll just skim through this Nobody in the world drinks more Coca-Cola and other fizzy drinks than the residents of Chiapas, Mexico's southernmost and poorest state. In the state mountains, in the state's mountain town of San Cristobal de las Casas, population 186,000. 
Locals drink just over two liters of soft drink a day, or around 800 liters a year. That's more than five times higher than the national average of 150 liters per person per year. That's the national average. (laughs) Dude, it's Mexico. Consequently, (laughs) Mexico is facing an obesity epidemic, and in Chiapas, health officials have declared a diabetes emergency. Pedro Jimenez lives in San Cristobal, blah, blah, blah. Some fat, fat loser. Um, Sometimes, uh, I don't don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear the, I want our water fix. You're you're trying to like promote it as positive and there's like people crying and people being overweight. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, someone said, don't, don't skim over the, Part. <laughs> if someone can drink two liters of coke like double fist two liters of coke and drink that in one day that's one of the most impressive things i've ever heard that's, that sounds what like do you hell. gotta say about that longo come on how do you think they build those houses so quick <laughs> they're like the hump they're the, they're like the hummingbirds are ready to go or just golly that's hilarious oh man i'm done i'm done so yeah, he had diabetes, you know, boohoo. Tons of other stuff will give you the diabetes. But here this is the part. I like. diabetes? Probably. Liquid gold, they're calling um this stuff. Coke, liquid gold. An hour away from San Cristobal lies the indigenous town of San Andreas La Reinazar, where Coca-Cola is considered liquid gold. It's used by local shamans like Maria Lopez as part of their religious ceremonies. As Maria aims to cure a diabetic, she prays over bottles of Coke as incense and smoke from hundreds of candles fill the air. Situated right next to her shrine is Maria's own Coke fridge. She sells around 50 crates a month. Is this real? There's no way. <laughs> I'm sorry, it bro. Yeah. It's like Longo's like, you see, they use it in ceremonial settings. You see, it's so beautiful. They're st- tapping into their roots. Here. Golly, dude. I, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm... <laughs> they got, they got triabetes tri- down there. If it, if it is real, just imagine having that life. That would be incredible. Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, living in that mindset where you think Coca-Cola is, like, this religious icon. <laughs> Hilarious. Dude. Oh, man. Can't be real, though. Dude, Coca-Cola good, man. The white man make it bad. Yeah. It's, it's the white man that put the bad stuff in there, bro. Yeah. Straight up. Sure it is, dude. Gosh. That's fun. That's hilarious, dude. So... Can I keep reading, or is it steward? Yeah, no, no, go ahead. You guys, uh, guys going to be okay? Yeah, I'm going to be fine. You're going to be okay, sure. girls? If Shem okay. needs to shut up. Shem, mute your fucking mic, I'm bro. Muting, don't. I'm <laughs> <laughs> her, her perspective on the origins of diabetes differs to the scientific and medical reasoning due to her religious beliefs. This drink has healing properties, she says. Diabetes is caused by anger and problems in the family. When we scold each other, when we yell at each other, it turns into diabetes. I'm 51 and have never been sick. I've drunk and eaten plenty of soda, liquor, beer, 
in chicken. According to a 2019 study by the Chiapas and Southern Border Multidisciplinary Research Center, each resident of the southern state drank more than 800 liters of Coke in a year. This equates to more than 3,200, sorry, 3,250 milliliter cups a year. Why such a large consumption? Safe drinking water is becoming increasingly scarce in the town where some neighborhoods have running water just a few Don't times that part. a week. Just, just skip this part. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to worry about this part. I know. It's just emotional. But here. Are we allowed to play that? I think so. It's not. I think it's okay. We'll skip through it. Those are the coolers I was talking about. You see that? Go back a little bit. Yeah. But look how much that is. Like, it's like <laughs> these people have, like, barely have, like, a civilization, and this is what they're working with. with well, well, that's what I was to, saying. Shem, to be fair, those people are um, Oompa Loompa sized, so the bottles just look, they look bigger. bigger. <laughs> Here, wait, can you hand me the Texas Coke, please? Everything we bigger show. in Texas. Dude, no joke. We got to show this. Shit is nuts. What? Here's here's the regular Mexican Coke, right? Here's a small one. It's a small one. It's the same size. Same size. This is a regular Coke, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's a Coke from Texas. No, you're holding it up higher, bro. No, dude, look. Look. What does the bottle say? How much? Uh, that, back, that does look a lot bigger, actually. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, that doesn't look a lot bigger. What's the liters like on it? Is it bigger or does it look bigger? No, it's bigger. It's 500 milliliters. Regular is 355. Wow. This is one in, that we got at, at a Mexican restaurant in Texas. So Texas it is was, on its way. Shem, it was it, fucking it, huge. <laughs> That's what she yeah. said. Every every fat chick in Texas has got one of these gripped between her. Home of the Giants. You gotta get that giant coke. Hey man, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so let's see. Whatever, he's masked up in Mexico. Here's the shaman. She looks like a coke drinker. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Never been sick though. But in Mexico, they don't consider diarrhea as anything cause for concern though so she's about to show the ancient ritual of pouring <laughs> damn that's that black label that's that good girl. that was big even bigger than the texas bottle hold, hold on go back no they're just oompa loompa size dude i'm telling wow. you that could be one full liter like they're pushing the limits down there yeah living on the edge that's wild dude Yeah, that's hilarious. She's got this vending machine right there in her little it's a, it's an Santeria. To keep in mind, you're barely one. able to take a, like a normal shower, but you have these like high tech cook machines. Well, the, shameless. So I was telling you, keep them at bay. Keep them. Give them. Give them just enough to where they can consume our product, but don't fix anything else. You know, what I'm and saying like all the taxes that they're that they're paying on this coke just. Yeah, don't invest that back into the into the into the community. We don't need all that. As long as the roads are working and our trucks can haul the product to them, 
we're good send it you know what i'm saying well, that's what i was curious about is like is the crime rate down in that area is cook providing some sort of security is it a psyop is it a sort of like operation where they're running to see if people if people can just live on coca-cola i mean that's also a possibility <laughs> bro i'm serious like what if they're, they're running a sort of operation to see the effects like long term like yeah we're gonna pump these people full of this stuff and hey it doesn't matter if you can use coke to clean rust off of your bumper don't don't worry about that they've done way worse so yeah i mean you're not you're not in the wrong for thinking that you know what i'm saying thought, i never thought about before that you you would know your people would know what happens you know when when things start to go south real quick right so just operations that's all i'm thinking well, as soon as i saw that i'm like there's something much darker than just coke going on there dude juan de, um juan de leon can you talk about juan pounds right here juan himself juan pounds de leon can you talk about how they would did you come across that in your research and how they would pour a bit out before they would drink the Temucua, the black drink. Have you seen that at all? No, I have not. Right. So, you know, you've got sacraments or like, you know, the divine wine or the communal beverage of a ceremony, but then you've also got what's called a libation, right? And the libation, not, not exclusively, but generally refers to something that's like poured out out of the cup you know onto the ground on the boys the, yeah on onto the animal you're about to sacrifice on to the, the temp the temple the platform the platform that they're going to be sacrificed on too oh wow right so here this is a libation right oh interesting and a libation is a ritual pouring of a liquid or grain such as rice as an offering to a deity or spirit or in memory of the dead. It was common in many religions of antiquity and continues to be offered in cultures today. Various substances have been used for libations, most commonly wine or other alcoholic drinks, olive oil, honey, and in India, ghee. The vessels used in the ritual, including the patera, often had a significant form which differentiated them from secular vessels. The libation could be poured onto something of religious significance, such as an altar or into the earth. In East Asia, pouring an offering of rice into a running stream symbolizes the detachment from karma and bad energy. So blah, blah, blah. There's one here. Ancient Israel, libations were part of ancient Judaism that are mentioned in the Bible. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Genesis. Well, all, all, all three of yeah. the uh, yearly pilgrimage festivals for like going to the temple where they involve libations. So it's even more than that. They're, they're only giving you one example. It's, there's there's at least like eight or nine different holidays that they do libations for, for in Judaism. Mm -hmm. That's just one of the many connections between Native Americans and hebrews jews israelites well, that's what i was curious earlier when you were talking about the uh shaman class using the drink before everyone had access to it because yeah over over in uh israel and the phoenicians and the, the greco-roman societies it was kind of like an exclusive type of thing but it was more like a hallucinogenic so what when the shamans were using it using the black drink was it more hallucinogenic or was it 
like was it altered between the two different exposures or yeah a strong dose was was enough to be hallucinogenic or to give you a vision you know you're not walking around doing tasks on it but then there's also mention of it in the secular use being just like a you know mild coffee in the morning that everyone drank and it just gave them energy woke them up just with the caffeine so i think if you're just using the the yo pond you're getting more of that tea effect if you're using the yo pond with the vines and the different herbs and everything once we talk about the lean connection the aspect oh yeah we should talk about the lean connection but one more thing real quick is that the aspect of throwing up is interesting too because in uh the the purim festival for judaism today like it's you're supposed to basically get drunk so they want you to like get intoxicated to the point of even like throwing up so i just thought that was a weird connection as well but yeah pouring one out the lean the purple drink purple is connected to the ancient mystery religions drinks as well because the mushrooms that could have potentially been in the drink that they consumed to hallucinate hallucinate uh was purple the air cop mushroom but yeah there there's that the whole culture of pouring out one out for your homies let's let's talk about that mm-hmm. and also right the coffee also makes a lot of people go to the bathroom like sometimes coffee has that effect on me or I'll shit my pants if, if it depends on the day. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't, but that's also the evacuation factor. It's but. probably also just the tons of um, uh, homo beeping that you do. <laughs> that's just, you're, you know, Dude, that's contributing. Get... We can't rule that out. No, no, it's you're not. You're a little, little pulverized down there. It's but. contributing to you, bro. Continue. Excuse me. No, no. Just... Let's, let's let's read this pre- this sentence real quick though. An identical practice is found in Brazil when cachaca is drunk, with the drops being offered to para asunto or para asantino. These customs are similar to the practice among the Visayans, Mindanao, the Philippines, where rum is spilled upon opening of the bottle. So yeah, we talked about. We barely mentioned it earlier, but in the Philippines, they do have a black drink that's like a self- psychedelic type drink. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that all these things again, it's an evolution of these, it's, right? The Mexicans, it's Modelo time, fool. I mean, they drink a lot of beer. I wouldn't call it black drink, but I guess was there a form of alcoholic beverage that indigenous people would use? Do we know other than the, yeah, the Aztecs and Maya had alcohol, um, but most Native American tribes were told did not like North American tribes were told did not have alcohol Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the most part. They might've, you know, gotten lucky or had like certain fermented beverages, but they were not habitual alcohol people. We know that also because once they started drinking, anyone should know, everyone should know this in America, how detrimental alcohol was to native culture because they had no resistance, no, um, you know, they were not accustomed to alcohol culturally or like biologically. So when natives drink alcohol, they were way 
predisposed, way more predisposed for alcohol, alcoholism. And they get yeah. super fat off of mm-hmm. alcohol. Yeah, Indians and Native Americans get really, really fat from alcohol. That just because their liver is like so it's so foreign to the organs of the Native American that it just wrecks the body. Now and yeah. No, go ahead, finish up on I'm gonna add something Puerto Rican in the into the mix here that I just thought about that I grew up. I learned I learned that because we had randomized assignments or like projects in like fourth grade or something in mine was Native Americans having extra wide feet. And they were debating like why did they have such wide feet and why didn't they fit into most normal um, shoes, Native Americans? And number one was because they're like barefoot normally, very wide toe spread. But then another thing was that, that so many of them were overweight from drinking that their feet got so goddamn fat they couldn't wear shoes. Whoa. Yeah, I did a project on this, the Nike native shoe they made specifically for natives. So their toe spread very wide, like the Seminoles, their toe spread was incredible. We have pictures of it One. because they're, they're barefoot all day. But then they would drink so much, drinkers, their feet and ankles swell up too, kind of like pain pill, people who do pain pills. But then um, also... This has to do with Atlantis. Uh, supposedly, Atlanteans did not drink alcohol, but the Aryan culture, like the cavalry that was in Eurasia, you know, all throughout Atlantean times, were big well, alcohol people. That's kind of but what everyone... I see. Sorry. Sorry go ahead. That's kind of where I see the rivalry between these two sets of people because, like, for example, Dionysus, the cult of Dionysus, which are related to the drink we're describing. Or more of like a alcoholic or psychedelic type ritual, but Apollo, the the duality in that situation was like a sober type of god. So it's 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 weird that you're saying like don't drink alcohol, but there's I don't know. It seems to be tied in with one side of it at least, and then the other side is completely sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's to me. Was I just talking about? The, the you talk about the white feet and then Shem. Oh, Atlanteans about how so you have Native Americans, especially on the East Coast, especially in the Northeast of America, they're most susceptible to to drinking. Then you have Irish who are super susceptible to alcoholism, right? And you could say that that they're actually less historically alcoholic. Than like Germans and and people descended possibly from the Scythians and the Alans, because they were fermenting tons of stuff, making alcoholic drinks. Beer, beer is one of the oldest, you know, Aryan Indo-European rude words. Whoa, um, relax. Um, so whatever. If Atlantis was in the Atlantic or Florida, then the Atlantean peoples, it seems, had less. Uh, Drinking less alcohol, you know, that's the way it seems to me. Here, let me catch up on some of these super chats. <laughs> Fourth Emperor, five bucks. Uh, money for some black drink. Appreciate that. That grape juice, that grape, what was it? Grape drink or something like that? Was it Chappelle? Black, black drink. Purple drink. Fourth Emperor from $2. Shout out to all the folks sipping OG clear drink. My boy. 
Connor Osterblad. Osterblad. Look into the Kappa Bowl ceremony from Fiji, the Pacific. Okay. Jimmy, can you look up the Kava Bowl ceremony, please? Fourth Emperor again, $2. How many Cokes till you look like Mitch McConnell? <laughs> Kalex, $2.79. Let's go. Thank you. Uh, Kalex. And then Sig Sour, five bucks from all of us. Appreciate it. When you're done with that, I got something that I grew up on that I didn't even make the connection until I kept seeing malt pop up on the chat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it up now. Yeah. So this is something I grew up with in Puerto Rico. It's called Malta and they call literally call it Malta, Malta India. So it's literally the Indian malt i guess and it's a lightly carbonated non-alcoholic malt beverage brewed from barley hops and water corn and caramel color and i mean there's different goya makes it and there's also different types from different countries that make it but the one that i grew up on was this one here and it's very black drink-esque black you know dark bottle dark drink and this is widely drank all throughout puerto rico yeah, they so, love, they love it, and it's I I think it's absolutely disgusting because my my dad married into a Puerto Rican family, and we have it at every family event, and I'm just so tired. Like really, I, I don't I I don't I can't drink it. It's definitely an acquired taste. You th- oh maybe because I grew up with it, but I think it's delicious, dude. I love it. I can it's never great. imagine like being thirsty and drinking it is the best way I can describe it. It's all right, dude. We know that. I mean, I know, I know your people love living in Puerto Rico because they don't get taxed. It's a tax haven, but they, I'm sure that they like to drink the Coca-Cola homunculus yet. Yeah, because in the bad Coca-Cola, you've got, you potentially, you've got the, uh, I don't know if Coke has any GMO products, but some of it probably is. And if that's the case... You do have some fetal, yeah, fetal cells in there. So yes, there is a little bit of homunculus. Homun- yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's Homunc- why I brought it up. Homun, you should make homuncola. <laughs> homuncola. Make your own. Hey, if enough people sign up, we'll we'll start a, a a you know we'll do a collaboration with a soda company or something. Maybe a Hamunk coffee or something. Hamunk, Hamunk coffee. Maybe like a limited edition brew that we can come up with. Some black drink. But yeah, I grew up with this sort sort of stuff. And it's interesting that it's India, which is Indian. And we're talking about the black drink of the indigenous people. Yep. And India yeah. has their, their own version of a drink as well. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Didn't didn't you mention something in what in the past? I might be remembering it wrong about after they consume the black drink, they would go around in circles for some sort of ritual where they would like run around in a circle or dance in a circle. Yeah, and in various in various uh, ceremonies that would be used, and yeah, they would dance sometimes afterwards. And the Tamukwa were real big on first fruits, right? So the first sip would it, it it would make sense that they would pour the first 
right? Because the first fruits, the first child, all this stuff that they would pour the first sip or as an offering or something. Yep. Yes, they would do a libation. Real quick, guys, since we've been talking about Coke so much, and Shem, I don't know if, you know, based on some of the reactions I'm getting here, guys, I don't know if you, y'all are aware how therapeutic and medicinal Coke actually is. Now, that is my second bottle, yeah. They're the glass ones, so don't Damn, worry. It's, it's as good as it's as good you, as ambrosia, right? You're gonna be good to drive. They say never they say never meet they say never <laughs> no, no, meet no, your no. heroes. <laughs> no, I'm I'm all, I'm already at your mom's place, so I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so uh, lucky for you, so, my mom doesn't like gay guys, so you'll be all right, mm-hmm. dude. That would mean you're Jewish afterwards, so that's cool. Your mom took my keys, then I took her to the keys. <laughs> terrible, bad joke. But... Yeah, you're so terrible, dude. So, Coca-Cola formula. This is something that most people don't know. Is that, yes, the sweetener is bad. Yes, the, you know, blah, blah, it's got blah. the aspartame or whatever the fuck. Oh, it's got this. Oh, my God. It's got vote for Bernie. You know, it's all this complaining. Well, people don't do enough you know uh celebrating of what is in there what is in the coke that is actually good you know good even whether this was the original recipe or not blah 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 right what you've got right here is the coke recipe and i think there's a couple this is wikipedia so the grain of salt right but pemberton coca-cola inventor John Pemberton is said to have written this recipe in his diary shortly before his death in 1888. The recipe does not specify when or how the ingredients are mixed, nor the flavoring oil quantity units of measure. Though it implies that the merchandise 7X was mixed first. This was common in recipes at the time, as it was assumed that preparers knew the method. See, that that recipe right there sounds amazing. No, and dude, the modern recipe is a guarded secret, but we know that it largely still uses a lot of that. So natural flavoring, they can group a lot of things under, and most people say, like, oh, the beaver gland, like, oh, you know, crushed up beetles. The and asshole stuff like of a beaver, you can't do that. They're... And I'm all for that. Remember, this is Dr. Longo you're talking to, okay? Go drink your orange juice, right? There's nothing better than orange juice and fruit and all this stuff but wouldn't you want to know why you drink so much of this garbage wouldn't you want to know why so many of the world leaders you know function at such a high warren buffett donald trump all these people wouldn't you like to know why (laughs) if it's being done okay so you've got caffeine citrate here's why we're comparing it to the black drink it's not just because it's black it's also because it's high on caffeine. Big, big, big on the caffeine. That's Huge. the two. That's the two big connections right there. Caffeine, black color. Right? So citric acid, caffeine citrate, vanilla extract, lime juice. That's great for you. Vanilla extract, very good flavoring whatever that is 
but we're going to see that down here at the bottom. Sugar. Now, hey, you know, different 30, sources. 30 pounds. Different. Well, that's like a whole batch. Um, but compared to the other ingredients, you got one ounce, three ounce. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. Merchandise seven then, X. Of course it'd be seven, right? Coca leaves. Right? Flavor essence of the coca leaf. That's the cocaine leaf. Interesting ingredient. Um 2.5 US gallons of water. That's water. That's real water. Could have been blessed. Could have been sacred Florida spring water. For all we know, it's a guarded secret after all. And some Yopon Holly. Oh, one of the biggest mysteries was this original source of caffeine. Because they had to substitute it. And they're not sure what the original source might have been. Uh, the cola nut. You know, the cola nut was the first one. But I think they gave that up pretty quickly. So it wasn't the cola nut. That's where you get Coca-Cola. Where were they getting... I think they use, I think today they get it from the caffeine and Coke, I think comes from leftover coffee byproducts, like either the rinds leftover or somehow, but they get caffeine from somewhere else and they put that in. And so let's just keep reading here. Caramel. So actual caramel or caramel color to give it the color. Now, the flavoring, one quart alcohol, 80 parts oil, orange oil, 40 parts cinnamon oil, 120 parts lemon oil, 20 parts coriander oil, 40 parts nutmeg oil, 40 parts neroli oil. Let's stand for 24 hours. Now, this is why people were giving Coke such medicinal you know, properties originally. Because it had stuff in here that any, you know, uh, holistic blogger is going to tell you to take for any number of ailments. Orange oil. You know, neroli oil, I think that is blossom from a sour orange. Like the extract from the blossom of a sour orange. So, you know, pretty niche, you know, hard, not the easiest thing to source, not something you just slap into some slop you want drunk you know at the gas station these are some real deal healing elements now i don't know how much of that is still in the modern mixture but your best bet is getting a mexican coke and i think you'll have still have a lot of those oh, you said it was six ingredients this is like at least 14 well the modern one if you go to your coke it'll say natural flavors i think the natural flavors could be any group of things that are solely contributing a flavor rather than like a considerable nutritional measurably nutritional benefit so natural flavors wouldn't include a lot of these especially if they're like concentrated you should you should look up the uh first day that coke was released and do a meetup that day and make this recipe on the spot at the miami circle <laughs> Shelly, uh, you're gonna come cater. I got you. And if it's more than six months from now, <laughs> Marori recipe. This is like the other 
alleged recipe. Largely the same, except it's cinnamon, cassia cinnamon, and lavender oil. A lot of times, I'm a believer in that. I think that I can always taste the lavender and Coke. I always, whenever I smell lavender, I'm like, oh, that smells like Coke from the tap. But, On draft. Yeah. And then, apparently, it used to have glycerin in it. Um hog fat but then later to make it kosher right jews and muslims no hog no pig i'll give you a fat hog i bet you will jesus there you go look at them look at them they say never meet your heroes because they'll they'll disappoint you Mm -hmm. that's what that is right there look at that Mm mm-hmm don't go to Juan's house. All he eats is, all he drinks is fucking toilet water and beans. <laughs> fucking Puerto Ricans. Yeah. I love it. So, Coke recipe. Some pretty interesting stuff in there. You know, real deal killing agents. Like I said, I don't know how much of that is in. Is in um, the modern Coke, but there's this one comment right here. It says uh, Coke is garbage. I agree with that. I do too. Longo's a psyop, dude. He's pushing the stuff that's not even good for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna stand for that, dude. I'm not gonna let you lie to these people. We got over 700 people, almost 800 oh, people watching us. Someone said May 8th is when Coke was created. Yeah, that's so. That's the meat update. Original recipe, 15 ingredients. Live in person. All right, you guys can take the show from here then. I'm over and learn some real deal stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, is there, aren't there certain examples of the uh, black drink being made with psilocybin mushrooms or something like that in some of these cultures? I mean, in like the Yucatan and in the Me- in Mexico, they were making brews from psychedelic mushrooms for sure. I'm still waiting to get like explicit evidence of that in Florida. Recorded. There are myths. There are myths in some of these cultures, though, that talk about the mushrooms being sacred for those drinks, and mm-hmm. they say that they say that the striking of lightning on the soil cause this like even in japan other places around the world talk about this myth of like lightning causing mushrooms to multiply i found Mm. that completely fascinating well guess what tampa bay gets its name tampa from the flashes of lightning that make that area debatably on which metrics you use the lightning capital of the world it's between there and venezuela um, but Tampa Bay area, Central Florida, is the lightning capital of the world, depending on which metrics you use. Tampa, flashes of light. And then what else is Tampa unique for? Having a type of mushroom that's not excluded. It's not restricted to reproducing in like poop, like a lot of mushrooms are. It can come about as a result of forest fires. 
So that's what makes that one unique. And they call it the Philosopher's Stone, Psilocyba tampinensis. And a lot of these tribes would have been had access to that. The Tamukua came down just, just about to Tampa Bay, Jekyll Island in the north, east to Tampa Bay in the south and the west. And yeah. um yeah. The drink I was talking about earlier, the Kaikion drink, which is like described as like a dark purple drink in ancient mythology, it was debated whether or not it was like made with poppy seeds, cocaine, opium, uh, something called LSA and psilocybin mushrooms. But the what I found interesting was there's a specific type of mushrooms they debated that was used for it called like ergot or ergot, which grew on like wheat grains. So really, oh, yeah. like it's a smut ergo. Ergot. Yeah, yeah, ergo, ergo. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So like this this apparently this mushroom grows under certain conditions, like wet conditions, but it also what's fascinating about it is that it's purple. So this is like a purple mushroom that grows to cause these mystery religions, like these. So when we're talking about the mystery religions, we're talking about thousands of people who drink this drink called Kaikion on a certain festival, and they allegedly all experience twenty up to twenty thousand people are experiencing the same vision at the same time. That's what we're describing here with the psychedelic experience. So these people are consuming these potentially purple mushrooms, which could be related to the, you know, the Phoenician purple or the Han purple mm. in some ways. But yeah, I actually there's a there's a if you pull up my screen, there's a study that talks about how like the striking of lightning really does make mushrooms multiply quickly. And I know you have ancient sources talk. This is like. You know kind of out there but you have angel sources talking about being able to control lightning and stuff like that mm. mm-hmm. yeah so certain mushrooms they basically needed to cultivate these mushrooms to in a certain way to have these types of experiences in these temples interesting and there's like a there's when when the lightning strikes the soil it creates this type of like fossilized lightning called like fulgurite yeah, which which certain cultures around the world worshipped as a result of this. So yeah, attached, I mean, sorry, continue. I was gonna say attached to this like striking of the lightning to the soil, which causes mushrooms, which could be tied to this drink to multiply. You have people worshiping the fossilized lightning from those lightning strikes in that situation. Yeah. So Florida produces more fulgurites than anywhere else in on Earth. Uh, I have a video on this called like light gods of lightning Atlantis and the gods of lightning or something like that talks about crystals in Florida the clamshell calcite and the lightning strike shut up hey come here yeah I held the one that your brother has at the store dude that thing is wild and it's it's huge but how how is it able to strike precisely where that shell was or whatever that thing was well, Juan, thank you for describing how you handled my brother's huge so, fulgurite. But um, it was big, bro. This is also why the Tampa. Good comment right there. Tampa Bay, uh, hockey team is the Volts or the Bolts. There was a fulgurite that touched down in Florida that produced a new unknown element. Can you look this up? Um, and lightning in a bottle, that term too, applies to fulgurites Whoa. to to an extent. 
The um, Tampa Bay team like, is called the Lightning, by the way, too. They're shared. We just call yes. it Lightning. That's what I mean. Yeah, I thought they were the, the Bolts or the Volts or whatever, but Tampa Bay hockey team is the Lightning. Um, a fulgurite is like tubular too. There, it's almost like a churro. They're fucking trippy. Some of them are like churro shaped, like a tube in the middle, and very very trippy. So hmm. there's this sand in Central Florida that gets lightning struck all the time, and it might be because it's magnetic this red sand iron rich that's like iron mountain out near bock tower that's in lightning alley um lightning hey that lake, that lake wales ridge i think it was possible that they understood that our ancestors understood why lightning would strike in certain places it. because think about just think about the idea of being able to be an ancient person and you're worshiping this you would have to know that it's happening i've never seen lightning strike the soil in my lifetime you know what I mean? Like you have to, mm-hmm. you would have to know, like this is the area where this is going to happen yeah. in order to be able to collect it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You have to know how to find it because, right? That's lightning ridge. Is that the Lake Wales Ridge that they that they call Lightning Ridge? Um. Yeah, it's just Iolian sand. Iolian sand, Florida. Go to the wow, picture right there, the, the the picture on the left there. Yeah, top left picture shows yeah, the, top the ridge, right the there. red sand. A lot of that is Lightning Alley, which I think goes from Titusville to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Is there a certain time of year um, where the lightning is more prominent? Well, the summer. So we have you have two types of lightning here, and they say one of them is not real, but there's like lightning and a thunderstorm, right? And it you see the lightning, then you hear the thunder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in Florida, we have what what I grew up calling heat lightning. What a lot of people here, when I grew up, everyone called heat lightning. You see a full thunderstorm with no sound, zero sound. You see this Juan, right? Growing up in Florida, uh, I personally haven't, but uh, I don't know if. I've never seen that, bro. Oh, you talk about at night with the lights? Yeah. Or where, yeah, yeah. At night, yeah, yeah. At it's night. the static from the clouds. Yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly, it's whatever. A, it's only at night. It's only at night, especially in the summer in Florida, where the sky will just be lighting up mm-hmm. like almost the whole night. And you won't hear a peep. Then in other instances during the daytime for example you won't see anything but you'll hear thunder from t- from dozens of miles away you'll hear thunder so they'll tell you online i think that heat lightning is not real that it's just too far and you can't hear the strikes right that's not true because why is it that you can hear storms but not see them but then in other instances see storms see lightning but not hear it also, Florida has by far, go on YouTube and look up Florida lightning storms or electric storms, lightning. Um, that was in my... It's interesting because we were having a private conversation the other day about like the difference between the God of Thunder and the God of Lightning. And it kind of sounds like what you're describing here as well. Like Sometimes you can see it, but you can't hear it. Good point. Silent but deadly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Silent but deadly. <laughs> the order. Ready for a reaction, the head, bro. The hidden origin of it, yeah. The hidden hand, you know. Yeah. So Florida, lightning capital of the world, depending on what metric you use, because if you look at a certain wide area, it's Venezuela. If you look at a, if you measure by a very small, you know, area, using a certain metric, Florida is the lightning capital of the world. Is it Brazil or Venezuela? Because I because I had Googled that the other day because I always told people that's Florida because I've heard you say it. And I think mm-hmm. it said Brazil, cap, lightning capital. It usually uh, says Venezuela. Venezuela. So, oh yeah, Venezuela. You're absolutely right. The Lake Maracaibo, the yeah. real lightning capital of the world found in Lake Ma- Maracaibo, Venezuela with 233 lightning flashes per square kilometer per year. Golly, that's that's a lot. So there was a talking about fulgurites, um, Shem. There was a fulgurite that that struck in Florida, at the base of a tree, I think. That produced a new element from scratch. Oh, wow. So uh, you know, how much are you going to believe what these science guys tell us? They're all just you know, trying to circle jerk each other and, you know, all try and get their 15 seconds of fame. But there's a little something to this because fulgurites are really, really strange. Happen in Florida all the time. This hit in, I think, someone's backyard and they found a new element. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, Jimmy. The, Show me your fulgurite. Well, one of those, if you look at the guy holding the thing, that that guy is an Eastern European. Um, yeah, that one. If you click on that. Why does he, it matter where he's from, bro? Uh, you know, because he's not a Floridian. He's not like, oh, I'm from Florida. I won. He might be from Florida. This is my memory from like a year ago. But I'm saying he's not like a Floridian saying, oh, we want to be the, like like me. Of course, oh, I, we want do. Us, yeah. I want us to be the lightning capital <laughs> of the world. But this guy might not be as biased. Um, this is the professor. Keep going down. Yeah. I think he says Florida's lightning capital, Matthew Pasek. Yeah. I put him in my video. He says Florida is lightning capital of the world. in one of his. You should go out and grab some of this fulgurite and bring it to show us. Cause that'd be sweet. We have some at the store. My brother was at the store. He could have, um, showed us. He has the, the shell. That's, that's a fulgurite, the shell that he showed me. Or is that something else? Yeah, that. Oh, well, we have clam. We might have had clamshell calcite too. So those are the two main types of crystals from Florida. Um, he showed me some crazy looking bowl or something. So yeah, so Matthew Pasek, who is a geoscientist with USF, declared in April eleventh, twenty twenty three, Florida is the lightning capital of the world. Does it say it on that page? Here, I've got it on this one. Here, so this is my screen. We've got... Um, here. <laughs> Florida's lightning capital of the world. Boom. Not me saying it. 
geoscientist with USF saying it. <laughs> so suck my balls, Juan. Cats, <laughs> cats do have that natural electricity about them. There's some really connection, right? <laughs> this dude just scooped it out of his his litter box and it's like this. Check out this new element, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, Juan. It's funny. Going. Speaking of Coca Cola, right? Got the Bach saga. <laughs> the fuck do those have to do with each other? Because <laughs> it's got the word cock in it, and the Bach saga is all about cock. So I don't know, man. Come on, dude. The jackpot. <laughs> So what's this oh, new man. element? Uh, is it can we can we grind it up and do stuff with it? Like what what is it the philosopher's stone? Did they say anything else? I don't know, it's still in testing. We're uh, we're we're seeing how your mom reacts to it. We <laughs> <laughs> guess the the Smithsonian has it. Uh, whoops, we lost it, you know. No. Can you show can you share my screen real quick? No. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> people want to see that so this this is the this is the engraving from the temple of lucius which is where the kaikihan drink was consumed that we were talking about earlier this is the second most in- important temple in greek his- history compared with the vatican but anyways this is demeter and Persephone, and they're holding a mushroom in this relief that was within the temple so it just gives more evidence that this drink did have some hallucinogenic characteristics and was based on maybe like psilocybin mushrooms or something of the sort what was it what's it called again kai kaikion kukion it sometimes it's called kukion kaikion yeah like kike <laughs> like kike dash eon, eon. yeah exactly <laughs> right one word that's what Both i mean together. there is a there's a connection with the, with the, the semitic people so i mean it is but yeah. Shell yeah. Let's Shell see. Yeah. What where else where else is there to go with this? Um oh, the last thing was the the ergo or ergot mushrooms you were talking about. It's said to be like responsible for that dancing plague that happened in the medieval times. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep. Cause it like affected the cereal grains or the grain of Demeter basically. Yep. And it's hard to eradicate from a region once it's once it's infected. So it's just impressive that the people at the temple that this temple were describing with Demeter and Eleusius, like they would have to understand how to extract certain things from it to make this drink. So it's very advanced. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, John Levi. John Levy. Yeah. I missed him. I don't know. That's all right. Which yeah, tribe did he belong to? Ergot was also the stuff that they blamed the Salem witch trials on. I believe it was. Where mm. they believe that they were. It was it Ergot, right? Where everyone went insane or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the, on the, the crops. Okay, let's go through this slideshow. Let me cross everything off so we, we don't forget to talk about anything. This is Yopon green on the bush 
Yopon Holly. This is the Tamukua taking their morning or, you know, ritual communal black drink casino. In shells too, right? In shells. They drank it out of a shell. Mm -hmm. Um, There's Trump talking about Coke. But here is an actual Florida shell that would be used for black drink. Look at how precisely that's carved with the spider motif. Beautiful. Pretty crazy. That's some Yopon right there in the in the other shell. But look at that. This could point to Scorpio, mm-hmm. the eighth sign of the zodiac, the arachnid or the scorpion being a big time um psychedelic, you know, trip with death coming back from the other side, seeing the threshold between between worlds. This is spider is big into that the weaving together of fate and time and you know number one thing people say when they take a big dose of something is time stood still or i saw how time worked or you know time ceased to exist and stuff like that like the dream state you know time's the Mm -hmm. the most malleable aspect of the whole thing don't masons worship a spider god of some sorts like you know Mm spider-man is a thing and the colors Mm -hmm. on spider-man Yep. And they have a spider Lost. on this. So I'm thinking maybe they're seeing a spider on the other side. It's got a cross on it. Just interesting. Yep. Also is being it? being matrilineal, which many Hebrew yeah. peoples were and Native Americans, where the spiders being representative of matriarchy. Because uh, most spiders, if I'm not mistaken, the female eats, consumes the man after she's done using him for his, re- for his reproductive juices. And then just like either feeds on the corpse herself mm-hmm. or allows her children to feed on their father's corpse. The first thing they eat when they hatch is their which dead ties, father. Which ties into Greek mythology with the overthrowing of each patriarch because every time they collaborated with the mother goddess to make that happen. And in Teotihuacan, some like South American cultures, they had the spider mother goddess. Uh-huh. Wow, and it would make also there. I did this this podcast one time where, you know, we always talk about the seven seven chakras, the seven days of the week, right? The seven colors of the rainbow, like all these different sevens. And it was Mario from Symbolic Studies where he was talking about that perhaps it's the right the uh, the the eight is it doesn't a spider have eight legs? You know, and it, and he was th- talking about this hidden eighth chakra that that was the actual you know the the what you wanted to achieve to move on to the next level so instead of the seven it might actually be the eight right the 88 or you know takes you to the other dimension or time travel the eight sideways is infinity not, yeah exactly i'm not really into like numbers but when you turn the eight 90 degrees you have the symbol for infinity yeah exactly well that's that's tying back into scorpio scorpio is the death and rebirth it's where mm. we get the word natal autophilatio yeah naughty naughty natal nativity um this is scorpio being the birth death rebirth and depending on who you ask shamanic psychedelic experiences penetrating the underworld the the world of the dead and things like that love the way you said penetrating there dude nice Mm mm-hmm John Sup, 
Thank you for the five bucks. This will go towards Juan's impending prostate uh, surgery, <laughs> prostate cancer surgery. No, no. Thanks for the support. Don't eat any black drink around these parts if you catch what I'm saying. Oh, God. It was used for as an aphrodisiac. So my last question would be, was there any like festivals involving fornication? fornication on a massive scale with these black drinks at any point in history or was it just yeah i have not seen now hang on shim hands where we can see them okay let's i don't know if i haven't seen anything about orgies like orgiastic rites in Mm -hmm. florida or the southeast united states i do know that they had like a version of a temple priest priestess like a temple prostitute where like adolescent men, like men growing up, whether it was their first experience or, you know, of rite of passage or whatever. Um, you see this in like places like Europe too. And well, there's also, ancient, um, there's like certain cultures in, in ancient history that would, their daughters would go to a temp, the temple of Aphrodite and basically yeah. they would, the first person who would offer money to them, they would have, you know, they would do it with, yeah and a lot of um phoenician jewish ancient israelite Canaanite rites of passage were like that where they would send their daughters to the temples this was more i don't know if it was you know daughters or if a family was doing it but you had like a prostitute class that was not seen as like the low of society they weren't beggars on corners they weren't you know struggling to keep themselves you know fed they were in the community but they were essentially like temple priestesses who would like you're saying this is native americans i'm talking about who would represent invoke you know embody the great feminine or venus or the moon or all this stuff (laughs) and they would essentially be a prostitute for whoever came to their hut and would i don't know if they would take anything during that process but you bring up a good point with the um aphrodisiac being that yeah aphrodite hang on i'm sorry aphrodite and venus were born in a shell and shellfish shells especially are known as aphrodisiacs for that reason yeshem plans are disgusting first of all but second of all i'm just curious like what's the emphasis for the the uh aphrodisiac like why is it such an emphasis so like that's the first thing they learned about these people when they got here and they wanted to report it back or did they witness rituals and that's why they observed this? Because it, it seems like there is some sort of tie to toe orgies or something that would get that would cause these Spanish explorers to get the have the implications that there's mm. an aphrodisiac related to this, right? Yeah, I mean there's there's some good links like I've been theorizing about all the shell piles. You know, you have burial mounds which are made of like earth, but then you have shell piles all up and down the east coast and elsewhere in the world. In Florida, they're huge and they're very common. They were just shucking piles. Like if you know you ever eat a bag of pistachios and you're like, holy shit, there's a foot 
foot tall mound of pistachio shells left like in the bag was like this the bag was this big but the mound of shells is like this big Mm -hmm. um that was something they were running into in florida and they would pile up their shells into mounds middens just like the earthworks and they would um (laughs) they would uh let them walk all over you shem if I had more to say, I'd say it. I have the least amount of shit to say. I'm just some random ass dude. Appreciate everyone though. Just some random Jew. Shemel. Awesome. Well, dude, I gotta, yeah. I gotta be up early for a flight in the morning at five thirty. <laughs> class. For what? First class. No, he's the dude. He's the dude holding the carrots that pulls the uh, directs the plane toward. Yeah, I'm telling him where to go, dude. He's the guy that chucks your laptop across the tarmac. Yeah. Can I can I can I read one more thing before we get off here? Please do. I shared my screen, so if you want to bring that up real quick, it's just we're talking about the aphrodisiac and the potential of orgies and stuff like that. So this is. A book talking about the Eleusian Mysteries, so I'll just read this quick passage. The Eleusian Mysteries were the most celebrated and typical of all the Greeks' rites, and they came very early to embody together with the original mysteries of Demeter and Persephone, those of Dionysus, the Greek counterpart of Bacchus, the wine god. Basically, this, I'm not going to read it at all because I, I realize that it probably will be longer than that, but it just says that they had orgies and stuff like that. Actually, this is right here. Mm-hmm. Whoa, dude! Yeah, it's unbelievable. But it, I'm just <laughs> so sick, dude. There's an association between these people and orgies. I mean, look, they're... they had like sex and stuff. <laughs> what? Well, think about Robert Sever. He's always talking about not, ex- you know, not coming and stuff like that. Not coming to climax. So there's like a debate between these two different people or something. Yeah, it's the, the left hand path or right hand path. You either hold it in or you just blast it all over everything. So hey, enough enough cheesecake factory you'll be oozing out under the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the person that films all of that, that got us hey, hey whatever they're putting in that cheesecake, man, my Tesla has to drive me home every time I go to that place. <laughs> Oh man, what's this person complaining about? Go clip your toenails or whatever it is that Longo says. Oh, awesome! All right, boys, let's let's wrap it up then. Oh yeah, one last thing is the interesting in that Perm Festival we were talking about a little bit earlier. They would they would drink the certain wine drink and they would wear masks. It kind of relates to the Venetian carnival festival that took place among the elites in the 17th 18th centuries they would go there and like have these massive orgies and wear masks kind of like in that uh stanley kubrick movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. just another weird connection with this drink and these mystery cults right very quick <laughs> just like longo very quick I don't call him oh, i can't make a joke yeah right no cue cards juan What's wrong? No, I'm sorry, dude. That's okay. Let you off the hook. Let's see. Here's some dudes pouring one out for their bro. Probably Nelson Mandela or something. Um, Yopon. 
put one out for the boys. That was like piss. What's that one? Oh, like? here. Roll that one. <clears throat> one more thing I, I uh, we forgot to mention. Coca-Cola bought Columbia Pictures in 1982. Mm. Now, I don't think they own them anymore, but that's pretty trippy. Wow. Yeah. I had no mm. idea about that. So aside from that, explains the product placement. The light bringer, the torch bearer. Mm -hmm. I think that's all we, all we got. Just some more pictures of Trump drinking Coke. And I'm sure the bottle looks extra big because he's got tiny hands, right? So the bottle pie looks extra big in his in his hands. His hands are just fine, Juan. They're. Is is DeSantis have small hands too? What's what's with these guys in small hands? It's just you wear a suit, your hands look small, typically. But he does. Trump does have small hands for someone who's six three. Yeah, he does have tiny hands. Those are some small hands. But also, hey, his hands are small, but his shoulders are perfectly large and strong enough to carry this country. <laughs> all of your problems, Juan. All of my problems. You know. No, weak hands, strong shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think that covers most of it, guys. Yeah, That's this is a good connection. one. I'm glad I gave you the idea. You're welcome, <laughs> and we'll do it again soon. What, what's next? Oh, I'll see you Monday. We're gonna do that that show on Monday, which is gonna be interesting. We're gonna be talking to guys, Kent Hovind. We're going to be talking to Kent Hovind on the 5th, Monday the 5th, the 5th, February the 5th at 1 p.m., I believe. Stay tuned for that. But, um, sponsored by Kent, Fuel. Kent Hovind, creationist, uh, you know, Genesis, uh, scholar of Genesis, teaches about creationism versus evolution dinosaurs how they fit into the bible dragons giants elongated skulls noah's flood all the good stuff i cut my teeth on a lot of ken hovind you know getting into conspiracy theories and the truth he's more christian christianity and all this stuff he's a controversial guy you know so we're going to be meeting him for the first time never talked to him but uh there are some YouTube yeah. channels that are based. A lot of their work is based on him. He's an interesting dude. Yeah, yeah. He he's in, and he's in Florida. That's you know I'm not. I wasn't just choosing any rabbit out of the hat. Uh, you know he's in Florida. He's a Florida guy. So we're going to be talking to Ken, destroying hopefully destroying some create some evolution together. You know debunking Professor Dave's and the like. But uh, who is Shem by the way? Shem is Professor Dave. In his nighttime garb. Look at this guy, dude. Mm. Look at this guy. When he's I'm, not, I'm, I'm funded by the government, as you can tell by the way I look and where I'm living. You think he's wearing a yarmulke <laughs> under that hat, dude? Like in the back somewhere? A, I can't that, take or? that. I can't take it off because this is a wig. And oh. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I love it. I'm excited for that. Should be a good one. So yeah, guys. Stuff. I'm probably gonna end up doing a video on the black drink part. You know, black drink just taken the best parts and, you know, stitching together well thought out linear, you know, kind of 
boiled down version of, of what we discussed, but, um, yeah, that's it. All right. Everyone have, everyone have a good night. Shout out, check shout. out, check out Juan, go check out Shem Tartarian truth, the one-on-one podcast, the chosen Juan and, uh, old world Florida, you know, big pimpin the OG that's me so make sure to drink your coca-cola book a flight down to cheers uh fat city mexico and uh yeah thanks for tuning in black drink we talked about it all all right all right have a good night good night y'all. Have a good night guys peace out Bye. peace